Amen, amen. Good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to wait and see if we can get the live stream going here. All right, live stream is going. Well, I appreciate everybody coming out. I know that this time of year is the hardest to get people in church. I mean, I, I know that there's parties and families and all kinds of stuff. And so if you're watching us online, if you're in here, I appreciate you making the track out here this morning because it's a, it's really, you know, back a long time ago, people went to church twice a year, right? You went to church at Christmas and you went at, at uh, Easter, right? Those are the two times everybody went to church. Well, now church is accessible everywhere. People go, hey, I'm going to go to church and I love it. I love that people are starting to go to church in other times. And then they go and they spend time with their family at Christmas and Easter. I am very happy about that. Because you know what? If you want to if you want to go and be with your family, Jesus is in the midst of that too, right? I I want an amen out of that. Jesus is in amen. Jesus is in the midst of you going and fellowshipping with your family. Spend some time this year with your family. It's it's worth it. I want to mention the people that's on our live stream next uh, next Saturday, the um, you know is uh, Christmas Eve, right? No. It's a, oh, it's the ornament party. We're having an ornament party. Anybody wants to come next uh, next Sunday? We'll have an ornament party at my house, and then the following week is Christmas Eve, right? So on Saturday, we're gonna have cookies, uh, communion, and um, and carols, and we're gonna have it here. On Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock, for those that are out, I'm, I'm having to get help from everybody because I'm really bad at remembering details behind this. But we're not having service on Sunday. So if you if you come here, then you're going to just have to have uh, Jesus in the parking lot, okay? Because we're not... 3 o'clock for the, for the cookies, communion, and carols. But we're not going to have service on Sunday, so if you're you show up you can stay in the parking lot as much as you want but we won't be here um also we won't have any live stream so if you're looking for that but um i just i wanted to kind of give some announcements because we typically do that before we get on our live stream and i know that there are some people that watch us online as well um you know the last couple of weeks the lord's really put it on my heart about love came down to earth and you know we we've had a we've had the last few weeks we've talked about the war is over, and you know and we've talked about how Jesus had come to give us many promises and blessings. One of which was, hey, I am creating a direct line back into the Father. You know, one of the great things about how Jesus came to do that was he became the Word that was flesh. You know, we talked about that last week, how he used his own words to create everything. In Genesis chapter 1, God basically said, let there be light. Well, that was Jesus. He was the word of God that was put out there to create the very things that we stand upon, the air that we breathe, every single thing that is around us. It was the word made flesh that did that. And you know, Jesus himself, when he came as a man, 
He was the very creative part of God. That meant that when he spoke, he had authority. And then he gave us that authority over to us to go out as him. You know, we're, we're the ones that he writes the check and we cash it. You know, I was thinking about that this past week. Um, there's all these people that work, you know, for all these different businesses. You know, my dad runs, um, you know, runs around and picks up tires and, and parts for, for driver's way and, and all that. Well, they're not his tires and they're not his parts. They're driver's ways parts. They paid for them. They hired him to go and pick them up and go take them to where they needed to go. You know, dad loves the job because he's a car guy and he loves to go and drive all these cars. Well, you know what? Jesus made him, Jesus made himself to put us in the position of a driver in the kingdom of God based upon his authority. We get to go drive the good car, right? We get to go drive in the authority of Jesus. You know that as, I, as I've seen in my own life, the more that I allow God to just continually make himself available to me in my own heart. And I say it that way because I'm the one that has to be open and receive. God's there all the time. You know, you can't get away from God. You know, God's right now, he's, he's, he's here and he's there. He's with the prostitute that's, on the, that's out here in, on the street. He's with the drug dealer that's, that's out here in, in their home. It's because you can't get away from God. He, he is, he was, and he will be. He's everywhere. You know, some people, they're not real comfortable about that. I mean, I'm doing bad. God's around, Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit is not skittish of your problem. Do you know that when he created a non-war type scenario with man, because remember what we said a couple weeks ago? We said that the angels came down to the shepherds and said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It meant God brought peace and goodwill back to men. And you may go, well, when did God ever have war with us? Every day we warred against God. And see, I want you to understand this because we're about to get into some areas today where we're going to talk about hope. You know, in our American society, you know, um, we walk around the streets even if we make a mistake. You know, if somebody goes and they, they smoke pot here in America, they may get stopped or detained or whatever, but we just kind of go, eh, we just had a, a WNBA star that spent 10 months in a Russian jail that was supposed to spend 10 years because of their laws. Well, some people go, well, that's, that's crazy. Why would that have happened? Well, it's because different laws were required different consequences. And you know, America, we've really reduced the amount of consequences, which is fine. I'm glad that we have. But you know what happens when you reduce the consequences? Eventually, we start going, well, 
oh, well, that sin's not that bad. And this thing's not that bad. And you know what happens is that we start trying to justify every single little thing that we do. But then we're really angry when you do it. Oh, you, all of y'all over there, y'all did something and I, I want you to go to jail for that. But if I did it, well, I want a lot of mercy and grace. Do you know that the world wasn't designed that way, especially when Jesus was here? Most of the people, they were guilty before they were innocent. You had to prove your innocence. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some stuff like, you know, how many people seen The Chosen, right? Any, any of it, if you've seen any of it. I have no problems with The Chosen, so my statements are not going to be uh, that I hate The Chosen, okay? But I will tell you this, if you're trying to get... Uh, if you're trying to get knowledge based upon the TV show, The Chosen, then good luck because it's out of order and they've done a bunch of stuff to make it what it's supposed to be, which is entertainment. The Chosen is entertainment. It's not a Bible class. Now, let me tell you why I say this. It's because The Chosen is giving you all of the things that the people who wrote the, the Chosen's belief system. We went and watched The Chosen the other day, and Jesus went and told little John that he, was, that he wasn't going to heal him because God trusted him in his, in his uh, infirmity. Well, they did away with Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, where it says they went around and healed all the sick. See, there was, a, there was a problem when Jesus actually was here. He didn't have the same doctrine that had been taught by all these different people. Oh, doctrine's everywhere. We all believe in doctrine. Everybody has a little bit of doctrine in you. Everybody believes, uh, you know, have you ever heard of Calvinists? You know, Calvinists believe in predestination. Do you know that it's in every denomination that I find? There's a little bit of predestination that's all mixed in. Do you know that where we get our idea about where hell, what hell looks like, was from a little girl back in the like early 1800s that a that an evangelist used this girl's testimony, and that and that influenced Dante and all these other people to create. The seven levels of hell and all this other stuff. I say all this because we have these ingrained doctrines. We have these ingrained ideas that these people that were in the Bible did not have. We live in a completely different time. We have a lot of ideas that weren't biblical. They were just things that people told me. You know, I tell this all the time. I know all my family's going to laugh, but my grandfather, Jack Cornelius, used to go around and tell me all kinds of crazy stuff. He used to tell me things because he thought it was funny. He would go, hey, women have one less rib than men do. You know, it took me a long time to get over that one. You know, the reason, the reason why we... We propagate stuff is because people tell us stuff and we go, well, I trust you. But do you know that back in the days when Jesus came, 
when he specifically came for that purpose to give these people the ability to see things differently because they're the ones that were going to teach the next generation. See, we've got to go back to the, the mold. You know what happens when you go and you cut a board and then you use that board and you cut you know, to mark off? Well, then you take the board that you just marked off, it's an eighth off. So if you keep doing that, eventually you just keep having an eighth and an eighth and an eighth. And now if you go and cut off of every single board that you've done, now you're like a half inch off or something after over time. But see, God created the pattern in Jesus. See, we're supposed to follow Jesus, not what Dusty says. By the way, if and I give everybody this opportunity, if you go to the back to Jesus, don't go to what Dusty says, okay? Dusty's trying to give you as much as I pray, I stand before God and I ask him, Lord, show me what to teach every single week. But I can get it wrong. So if Dusty fails today in some way, go back to Jesus. Go back to the pattern. Go back to who Jesus was and why he came. Because you don't want to be made a pattern after another pattern that then became the next pattern that now you're off. You may be going, Dusty, where are you going? I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. I, the Lord's got something in here and I'm trying to get it out right now. It hit me when I walked up here. Do you know that being in this pattern of who Jesus is has nothing to do with our, our science, our psychology, our society. See, most churches and most people are trying to find society in church. You know, they're, they're trying to, to create a, a I, I want to make all this make sense for where we live today. Ah, I'll see where we're going. Do you know that Jesus himself, when he came, he came to break the pattern. He came to say, you have been under a pattern from the law. And the law was created in order to get me here. Now I'm going to break that pattern and I'm going to show you a new pattern. Do You know that every single time there is a pattern that has been created you know that the word doesn't need to follow your pattern. You need to break your pattern to go follow after the word. And see, when Jesus became the word made flesh, he became authority. And authority is where you're going to have breakthrough. If you just want to follow after the world's pattern, then just go home and watch the news. Because it will show you exactly the fear, the shame, the discontentment of the world. I heard a man the other day, I was watching a YouTube video and it was about sports and I, but he was talking about the plight of, of the African-American, you know, and I was, I was listening to what he said and I thought to myself, he needs to break a pattern because he's not a victim. He's a victor and he needs to go and become the victor that Jesus has created him. Amen. If there's any pattern that you're following after, 
You need to break it because Jesus has a better one. There's a better place for you, a better place for your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, people saw what he did. And you know what? We're, we're going to talk out of Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start right around uh, verse 2. But Jesus came and he started doing cool stuff like healing people. And he was, he was having just the, they had never seen anything like it. And you know what? Jesus overnight got a mega church. Have you ever seen a mega church happen overnight? Well, the, the one we have here in Birmingham did, Highlands. Uh, you know, Chris Hodges, I've got nothing against Highlands. I, I'm, I'm not preaching against mega churches, but my, my point is, is that Chris, Chris Hodges was a part of big churches and he had radio and TV spots. And so when he moved to Birmingham, there was a lot of people that already followed him. Well, it would be like if... Uh, It'd be kind of like if uh, the guy that I went to Bible school with, Andrew Womack, well, if he started uh, a school, which he did, he's got 15,000, 20,000 people that show up, you know, several times a week to go to his thing. And it's because people follow after patterns. And so Jesus himself came and he started creating a pattern of things. And all these people were like, I got to come and I got to see what's going on. So that's where we come to in Matthew chapter 5 is that Jesus saw a bunch of people hungry and looking for his pattern. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he does the Beatitudes. Have you ever heard the Beatitudes? You know, the blessed are. You know that the Lord kept putting it on my heart this week that these blessed attitudes, that those were the hope for those who wanted to receive. Do you know that these people had never even understood what they could receive? In the Jewish faith, especially back, you know, back at Jesus' time, it was all ran by money. They had moved away from the pattern that God had created for Israel. And now if you were affluent, you got to go to the front of the line. If you were affluent, you got to go buy the big bull, right? Not the little dove. And so what happened was, is that most of the people that showed up were po. I'm talking about, it wasn't, they were poor. They were po. They didn't even have an O in there. That's how poor these people were. So they show up, they're looking for this, for this guy to give them a new pattern. And he comes and he brings hope. You know, I thought it was great. I watched The Chosen. It was probably the one time that I looked at it and said, hey, this right here fits together because all the people were talking about his, his message here. And they were talking about how it was so much different. So I took away from that and said, ah, they had captured in this instance this particular pattern. People were blown away that Jesus was talking to the poor like this, to the downtrodden. And so in, in Matthew chapter 5, the multitudes had come and they were sitting there while Jesus was teaching. And so Jesus starts dishing out hope. 
Matthew 5, 3, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that this word blessed is not the same word that I used a couple weeks ago, which was eulogio. Do you remember me talking about eulogio, where it was like the blessing? Well, the blessing is eulogio. That means that, that it's to speak well of. But this was different. This is completely and totally different. This word right here is makarios, and it means happy or fortunate. So it'd be a little bit like, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a good wife and family. That, that's, the, that's the mindset you have to go with when the, you start hearing the Beatitudes. Is that, oh, Jesus is trying to tell them, you're in a good place. Now, how many people knows that if I can't pay my bills, if I can't, you know, if I was uh, under the Roman, uh, you know, dictatorship, I had been having all kinds of sickness and issues and, and I had no money, no, no way of getting beyond myself. Some guy starts going, you're very fortunate. How many people in this day and age would go, no, I'm not. It's one of the reasons why I think Jesus did this is because once they heard the whole, the whole like collaboration of the Beatitudes, they were like, I can buy in. I want to know, you know, in my own life, how many times have I bought into some of this? Because even as Christians, we have to remember that there are times where we're fortunate because We've even had things happen in our life. I'll explain it real quick and then we'll move on. You know, I'm very fortunate that I went through um, high school. I'm very fortunate that I went through college. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I took on little jobs here and there. I'm very fortunate that God gave me the opportunities for me to learn something to where I'll never forget it. You know, I'm very fortunate for that. Do you know that in this respect, Jesus is trying to come and tell them, hey, you're very fortunate because I'm bringing something that is going to come on the other side of your issue, of your circumstance. In fact, right here it says, fortunate are the poor, the ones that are lacking are begging in the spirit. That means I've never had a spiritual connection with God. Well, guess what, guys? Jesus shows up and he says, I can bring the kingdom of God to you. Well, if you've never been to the temple, been in the temple, had your sins forgiven you because you couldn't afford it, most of the people that showed up did not do their spiritual cleansing. You know why? Because it cost a lot of money. They had made it, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the all of the religious leaders had made this so hard that most people in Israel could not even get their own sins forgiven of them. So how does one that is poor in the spirit become rich in the spirit? Their account has to be paid. Jesus came and he was basically saying here, he was like, guys, you don't have enough money under the current system for you to be able to get your sins forgiven you. Well, guess what? I'm going to make up the difference. 
fact, I'm going to use 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. What does a new creature do? He breaks the pattern of the old creature. It says here, if anyone is in Christ and a new creature, old things have passed away. Those things have been broken. And behold, all things have become new. There's a new pattern that I am creating. Do you want to be a part of that pattern? And it says, now all things are of God who is reconciled. This means to make up the difference of two inconsistent parts. Do you know that this whole reconciliation means that I didn't have enough? I didn't have the ability to be able to pay the debt. I didn't have enough to be able to balance my checkbook. You know, in, in layman's terms, how many people have been spending a lot of money on, on Christmas this year, right? Well, when you go look at your account and your negative number, you got to go find a positive number to go put in there so that your checks don't bounce, right? Well, that's what Jesus was saying here. Was he goes, I'm breaking the old pattern, I'm getting rid of it, and I'm putting a new pattern in place. And guess what? I am going to make up the difference. It says right here, it says, now that all things are of God who has reconciled, he made up the difference to us through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Wait a minute. You mean if Jesus came and he made up the difference and then now he's giving us the ministry of making up the difference, what am I supposed to do in my life? I'm supposed to see in people where they're deficient. Now, we could say yes. I mean, we just went and put 205 food boxes. In fact, Caleb went and worked at Man of Ministries yesterday. They handed out to, what, thousands of people? I mean, it was, it was, woo. I mean, there was people in Corvettes coming up and getting boxes of food. They're, they're that poor after paying for a Corvette. But, I mean, there is a lot of people that needed the difference made up. I can't pay my bills. I bought a Corvette. I don't know. <laughs> to me, I think I'd sell the Corvette and go buy some food. But my, my point is, is that that's deficiency in money. Which, by the way, if I give you a dollar and you go spend a dollar, how much money you got? Zero. I will never, ever, ever, ever be able to use mammon, something that man made, and it be sufficient, I will always be deficient in that. So money's not the most important thing, right? No. Do you know that it's okay to give people money? And we should, and we have, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, and I, I, I appreciate you guys giving to us so that we could help out uh, Man of Ministries and be able to feed all those people. Do you know that in, in a lot of ways, that's good because that shows your works. But we need to, to understand the deficiencies in each person that we're around. And how can I build up where they're down? See, the ministry of reconciliation is not just, 
hey, you need Jesus, and hey, I get you saved, and then now you go Jesus, and I'm going to go over here and not never talk to you about it anymore. No, the ministry of reconciliation is that I reconcile, and I said this a couple weeks ago, that I reconcile people back to Jesus, but I also reconcile friends and family that you're the one that stands in the gap. You're the peacemaker. You're the one that brings people back together. You have a special anointing by Jesus to be that person, to be able to balance out and to reconcile people back. And it says here in verse 19, it says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and to have and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It means Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not going to make you pay anything to reconcile. And so we shouldn't either. You know, if you ever find somebody on TV that says, you know, a minister or anybody else that says, hey, if you'll send in $10, we're going we're gonna to pay, you know, uh, you're going to be blessed. That's one of the reasons why there's a particular set of, you know, religious ideas that people pay money so that people pray in order to get you out of purgatory. It's bull. You know that reconciliation means that God, without you having to pay a dime, all you had to do is believe. Amen. The world was inconsistent in its makeup and Jesus offered to make up the difference. That's, that's the number one thing that he told these people. You know that I can apply that to my life. There are plenty of times where I go, there's not enough in me, God. And you know what? The Spirit of God is on the inside and he brings the kingdom of heaven in order to build me up. You know, there's a lot of times when I'm sitting here and I'm juggling the church and I'm juggling work and I'm juggling family. I'm juggling all these things. And at the end of the week, I don't have enough of me to go around. I don't have enough of myself. I don't have enough of my energy. <clears throat> After yesterday, we ate all those cookies. This morning was hard. I'm just going to be honest with you. I passed out last night. This morning I woke up and I thought, can I call in? Is there anybody that can... Can we get this thing done by somebody else? Because I didn't have it. But you know what I said? Praise God anyway, we're moving forward. And I feel a lot better right now. I got to quit eating sugar. Anyway, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. You know, blessed or happier those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do you know that? This is one of those things where we can talk about some family member died and yes, you're going to be mourn, you're going to mourn and then you're going to be comforted. But I want you to understand something. There is more to this. There is a hope and a blessing for your future. There's a hope and a blessing for your reconciliation. There's a hope and a blessing in the morning that we on the other side will be comforted. 
And it says here in John chapter 16, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, before Jesus, there was no prospects for anybody. Their whole life was just mourning. You know, when you have no hope, all you do is mourn. In fact, I hear lots of Christians even mourning, and I'm going, you don't know who you are. How many people's going, oh man, this week was so bad, and I just, there's nothing going on that I can handle, and you know, I'm, I'm poor all the time, and I can't pay my bills, and I can't, 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 and I can't. That's mourning. That's, you're just doing the mourning for something other than a dead person, right? But see, Jesus came and said, there is mourning in your life because you have lack. And I've come to give you something that is expedient. It's good for you. And by the way, after Jesus came, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die. Well, you know, Peter and John and all these other people, they were like, well, the only life I've ever had where I had hope, he's going to leave me now. And Jesus said, no, it's better for you if I leave because I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And now the Comforter is here with us all. 2,000 years ago, he sent the Comforter. The Comforter is here today. You know what? If you have mourning, if there's something that you're like, man, I've, I've had a family member that's died or I can't pay my bills or I feel depressed every single day. Guess what? You're in mourning. And the Comforter, happier you. Happy are you that the comforter is there. Oh, I need some more amens on that because you can be mourning today and go, oh, I'm so depressed. I don't feel good. I don't, whatever. And you know what? The comforter is there. The comforter is right there. All we have to do is change our mind. The comforter is with you. Do you know that you're blessed? Happy are you that mourn because the comforter is here. Amen. Amen. Happy are you are the meek. Happy are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. You know, this is a prosperity scripture. This was the hope of gaining prosperity. You know, back then they had money. But do you know that what made people wealthy back then? Do you know what made people wealthy until the Industrial Revolution happened? It was every single person. Do you know what the number one thing that made people wealthy? Land. Do you know that we don't understand that? because, And, and that's it's sad in a lot of ways because we don't think of things in resources. Do you know that I have a 401k, it has money in there, but it doesn't own anything. It's a bunch of pieces of paper that people have put value on. I'm pretty sure everybody who's retired, my mom just retired. You're going through and looking at a bunch of pieces of paper. that says you've got money. But do you know that before the Industrial Revolution, if you were wealthy, you were a landowner. Do you know that all these people weren't landowners? Most of them were renting. Most of them were were in a family member's house. Most of them, they didn't have 
the things that made them prosper. And so when Jesus was like, hey, the meek shall inherit the earth, this was a, whoa, do you mean that there's a peace for me too? Do you, do you know that Jesus came to, gave, to give us the ability to see our prosperity? You don't believe me? Okay, that's good because I get to explain it to you. Psalms 37. How, how many people know I've taught on Psalms 37, 4 and 5? Probably y'all are tired of me teaching on Psalms 37, 4 and 5. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That word delight right there means to be pliable. It means in my own self be pliable to what God has for me and he will change my mind. He will give me the desires and those desires will prosper me. In fact, it says that he will bring them to pass. So Psalms 37, 4 and 5 says that. And then you come down two more and it's Psalms 37, 7 through 9 says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So a lot of times in the past, you would have people that would do crazy things, right? Because it's a little bit like our cash palm. How many people have seen these cash palm places? If you go to Farsdale, where I used to live years ago, it's a cash palm place beside a cash palm place beside a cash palm place beside a cash palm place, and then you go across the street, guess what's there? A cash palm place. You know what that does? It does what this scripture's saying. Because back in those days, what would happen is if you didn't have enough money to pay your bills, what they would do is they would go and you would write anything that you owned over to the cash palm place, to the guy that had all the money. And you know what? Your thing may be worth uh, in our equivalent of a hundred bucks. And he wanted $90 in interest. Now, you may be going, well, that's pretty stupid. Well, if you needed 10 bucks or you were going to go into slavery, which was exactly what was happening to people back then, you basically just gave your stuff away. So you no longer had possessions. You no longer had the ability to do this. It's the exact same thing that's happening today. You go and you don't have... Oh, I need $300 before I get my paycheck. So I go to Paycheck Palm Place and I go in there and they charge me 35%. And then the next time that that happens, they charge me 35%. Well, if you keep doing that, then eventually you get to the point to where you just owe everybody and these people are in debt all their life. That's what happened to the people during Jesus' age. Well, guess what? It's happening now. Now, it may not be happening to you, and that's okay, and that's good. I'm, I'm very happy for you. But I just want you to understand is that if it's not happening to you, you still have this promise of hope that the meek shall inherit the earth. That means you will inherit the prosperity of what God has for you. I've said this before. If you, need, um, if you wanted a million dollars and you found it in the back, yard and it said God God created it 
on every single $100 bill, don't cash it, you'll go to jail. Because God did not create money. Who created money? Man created money. See, the prosperity of God is different than man's prosperity. And see, what I want you to get from this is not, hey, go buy land, which you probably need to go do if you wanted to do that, or go buy gold or whatever. That's all good stuff. You need to do that. But what God is saying here is that the meek, those are the people that I am going to help in their prosperity. Because the world's really good at creating prosperity. Just look around. But see, God will get it to you in a different way. He will delight your, if you delight yourself in Him, He will bring it to pass. He will give you the, the opportunities. He will show you where to go. He will create those opportunities to where you will be prosperous. Amen? So what is your earth? I, I ask myself that all the time. Lord, what's my, what's my earth? What's my world that, that I'm supposed to be conquering? Show me, Father, send me. Amen? I think everybody should ask that this week. Lord, send me. Where's my earth? Where's my prosperity? Where's my world that I need to go into? And that may be, that may be resources, it may be people. And then you'll have opportunities. Matthew, chat, Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now this word righteousness means to be acceptable to God. I like to say in right standing. Andrew Womack used to say that all the time. All righteousness means is in right standing with God. So Jesus said, hey, happy are you that are in right standing with God, that are hungering and thirsting for that, because God's going to fill you. He's going to make you right standing with him. In fact, Romans 10.10, 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I love Romans 10.10 10 here because I actually think that our heart, our belief system, it's the, it's the innermost part of where we're at. Our belief system is the thing that we guard a lot. But it's also one of the biggest things that gets stolen from us. Like there are things that I'm, and I'm not even going to ask because we'll start a fight in here and everybody will run out of this place, okay? But there are things that if we had a conversation about them that you would be willing to fight over. You know, you go and talk to some people who've been in the military and you start down playing the American flag, get ready to get your butt stomped. You know why that is? It's because they believe in America. They're willing to lay their life down for America. You know why? It's because that's been ingrained in them. They've seen something for their family that is better here than it's anywhere else. This is what hungering and thirsting for right standingness is the same way. It's the, it's the belief system that I want more of God. How many people want more of God? Do you know that if you hunger and you thirst after the right standingness, God's going to show you more and more and more and more and more? God has 
a purpose, a plan for your life. But you know what? If you want to be filled, you got to eat it. I got to receive it. You got to receive it. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus came and he's telling these people, Hey, you are looking for God and you want to be as close to God as possible and you're hungry for them, for God, but you can't get to the temple. You ain't got enough money, resources, influence. You're not able to do it. He said, guess what? If you're hungry, I'm about to fill you up. Is that what you want? I will fill you up with righteousness. I'll tell you that I've come to bring you into right standing with the Father. I got news for you. If you were one of them, you'd be screaming and shouting, hallelujah, because they didn't have it. In fact, they couldn't even get saved at this moment. You know, Jesus had not went and put his blood on the mercy seat. He was making a promise of hope unto them that I have come to bring it to you. Man, they were, they were, they were leaving their, their cities. The multitudes, the, the 5,000, the 20,000, the 50,000, they were coming out and saying, I'll starve to death in order to hear what you've got to say because I hear the hope and life of God in it. And I want to be filled. Do you believe that you're in right standing with God? You know, that's a really, that's a really interesting question for a Christian. Because if you've been saved, you are whether you believe it or not. But I ask that question because it's not for God. It's for you. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I messed up. I messed up yesterday. I did this or I did that. God does not love me. How many people have had people that have said that to them? Oh, I've made so many mistakes. You know, most of them said, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Do you know that there is right standingness that you can't get rid of? Because of this very thing where it says that he was made sin. So that sin that you created, that you made, he became that sin. And now he puts you in the right standing seat. See, this is prosperity at its greatest because people, they'll do something bad. I feel guilty. I can't be around God. That was what Adam and Eve did. It goes back to the original sin. The original sin is, I'm not worthy. I can't do. And guess what? God's saying, I put you in righteousness. I've made you righteous. All you have to do is walk in it. You know, there's times where I've made mistakes and I just go, I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm righteous in Jesus name. You know what? There would be people in churches all over America that would go, you blasphemer. You sinned, you should not have any part in God. Well, you know what? You don't get to make the decision. In fact, I'm going to tell you what. You're not God. Woo, oh gosh. Oh, did you go and tell somebody in a different church that they're not, they don't get to make the decision. 
You know, I, years ago, I had a guy tell me <laughs> almost exactly the same thing. I had gotten mad at somebody at work. And this guy loved to throw my Christianity back in my face. And so I'm standing there. And he makes a comment to me where he says, he says, well, that's very Christian of you or something like that. And I said, you mean I can't get mad as a Christian? And he said, well, you just sinned. God has no part in that. And I said, who are you to tell me that I've sinned? And I looked straight into his face. I said, you're nobody. You have no bearing. You have no right to anything. You're nobody. God is everybody. You know what? People go, well, you just called him a nobody. Well, he's nobody to me if he's going to come and try to take my salvation away. See, we have to get, we have to stomp our foot down and say, I'm going to stand in my righteousness. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? You've got to stand up for your righteousness. If somebody comes along and says, you're not a Christian because you did blah. Well, you know what? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't go by your authority. Who are you? It's kind of fun sometimes if you, if you actually think about it. All right. So do you believe in your right standingness? If you do, then you'll stand up for it. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, blessed or happy are the merciful, those who are compassionate, for they shall obtain compassion. You know, this is a pretty easy one. I don't have to explain this a lot. But do you know that I used this scripture the other day in Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men, uh, shall men give into your bosom for the same measure you, that you meet with all shall be measured to you again. Do you know that if I show compassion to someone, I'm going to get compassion. So this is just a, this is just a part of, it's not even societal because it wasn't back then. People didn't show compassion. Even if you showed compassion, you know, I have a, a couple people I work with that are from New York. I know, you know, Vicki just came back from there, but, they said, I didn't trust anybody in the South because you'd walk up and you go, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you do? yeah, let's shake hands. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> do you know that, that Northerners are very untrusting people, especially in New York and all that? You know why? Because they're, they're, they grab their wallet first. <laughs> are you about to take my wallet? Do you know that this is one of those things where where back in the day, they only showed compassion to those who had something. Oh, I, I, will, I will do this for you because you're affluent or, or you have money. Well, guess what? Jesus was saying, you don't even have to have money. In the Spirit, if you show compassion, you will receive compassion. Will you receive it from, from that person? Maybe not. But God will bring about the ability for you to have compassion. You know, that's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is they go, well, I showed compassion to Caleb and Caleb didn't show compassion back to me. But you know what? This week, Vicki called me and she really encouraged me, but Caleb didn't. Well, did I receive compassion? 
I did, but I received it from a believer that was showing compassion. Do you know that God didn't say that you would get compassion from the person you showed compassion to? And that's where we get into the problem. Is that most of the time we show compassion and we give up. Because that person you just showed compassion to, they didn't show it back. But that's not what it says here. You will get compassion. You might not get it from them. But God, this is, this is a promise of God. That if you show compassion, you're going to receive compassion. In your time of need, there'll be somebody that will be there that will be believing with you. See, back then, they didn't have anybody believing with them. If you didn't do the right things, you didn't do all the right um, rituals and everything else, you were an outcast. You know, the working class was an outcast most of the time. Do you, do you know that when Jesus went around to the people, the, the people that would scream unclean or, or they would be out you know, on the outside of the city? Do you know they were outside of the city not because the city was so big that they couldn't handle them? It was because they didn't follow some ritual or they didn't pay some penance. And Jesus was saying, no, if you need mercy, I promise you by the Spirit of God, you will receive mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed or happy are the pure in heart. Those are these people we just talked about. It's the word cardia. It means the middle. It's the core part of who you are. Your heart is your belief system. It's where your thoughts and your beliefs and all of the things that happen. If you go look up this word, it goes all the way back to the idealism that this is where your innermost part of your body, of your mind, your will and your emotions, everything lives in the heart. In fact, most people live with their belief systems only and they don't allow God to change their belief systems. But it said, blessed or happy are those that are pure in heart for they shall see God. They shall see continuously God. Do you know that I look at this and, and I think about my own life that I see God in everything. I mean, I see God in the little things. You know, there's some big things that we see God in. And, you know, me and Heather will have a, a praise God moment or somebody will have something that will happen. They'll go, oh, well, I went to the doctor and they said that I'm completely healed or, or I got, you know, I paid off something or whatever. And I go, oh, well, that was God. Praise God. That was good. But you know that I also will be going to work and I've actually gotten stopped, went into a said, man, this traffic's so bad, and I stopped at a Chick-fil-A. Not too long ago, I stopped at a Chick-fil-A in Helena, and I was like, I'm just, if I'm going to get stuck, I'm going to get stuck with a cup of coffee. <laughs> Praise God for coffee, okay? You know, by the way, here's a great statistic. Do you know that most of the world drank because the water was so bad, Right? They created wine. They created beer. That was the reason why they did it. Do you know that the Industrial Revolution happened because we imported coffee and people quit drinking as much? 
It's a correlation. They've actually done it. It's scientifically proven that the reason why we actually got smarter is because we weren't drunk. Okay, I'll stop there. But the, the thing is that if you want to see God continuously in your life, then you have to have a pure belief system. So there's a difference between people. How many people, if I told you the way I used to think about it, you would go, yeah, it kind of sounds the way I believe the heart. I used to believe that a pure heart was, I just didn't sin. And so now I'm going to see God. How many people believe that? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, 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 I used to believe that. I used to believe, well, if I sinned, then I'm not going to see God. Right? That was kind of the, the way that it was taught to me in the Bible school, you know, when you were a kid and everything. It was like, well, if you stay really perfect, then you're going to see God. No. If I keep my belief system, my belief is, is that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and that He has great prosperity for me, then in every single thing, no matter if I sinned or I didn't sin, if I believe in Jesus and I've went through my life and I keep my heart pure, then I'm going to be going down the road and I stop at, at Helena and I get me a coffee because it was really bad. And there's a lady and she was like, I've got all these kids and I, I just don't have enough money to be able to pay this. And I just, I, I, I literally did this. Just put it on mine. And by the way, throw me a coffee. And the lady turns and just says, oh, praise God. And I talked to her for three minutes. No more than three minutes. And I prayed for her. And I went on to work. I saw God happen. In a, just an instant. You know, I'm seeing God more and more. I'm believing that I'm going to see God more and more and more. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the, the heart of man the belief system of man, the things which God prepares for those who love him. It means that they couldn't even fathom it. You know, there's people walking around that are Christians that they don't see God's goodness. They walk past the lady that goes, I got all the little children and they don't pull their credit card and they don't do that in order to have the conversation. And to tell them, oh, you're blessed and I, I love you and I'll pray for you. I'm going to bless you. And there, she's crying and she's like, well, my kids are going to get to eat. And plus, I know God loves me. Do you know there was a point in my life where I was too dang selfish to be able to do that? Uh, I was at Karis Bible College. I'm going to tell this. I'll probably stop after this because I've got a few more here, but. I was at Karis Bible College and there was a, a, I went to lunch and it was like one of the last days of class for Karis before I graduated. And I'm over at a full moon barbecue over off Oxmoor and I go walking in there and there's a man and a woman and the man and woman are sitting there and they're looking at the thing and they go, oh, go in front of me. Well, then I hear them talking and everything and I could tell she was drugged out. He was a little bit more put together, but they both were dirty, nasty, completely just, I mean, had lived on the streets. You could tell it. 
And the manager behind the counter was about to kick him out. And I said, hey, I'm going to buy your meal, anything you want. And the guy goes, man, I hadn't ate in three days. He goes, she's been on drugs, and if she doesn't eat soon, she's probably going to die. So I said, okay. So I go, and I buy their meal, and I go sit with them. And, and the guy is just like, Mr., I mean, I, I told him, I said, man, you, you need to go sell something because you've got such a personality. I mean, you could make money just off of your personality. It was so awesome. And she's over there and she's just, uh, you know, and he's like helping feed her. Well, I start, I don't know why, but I start telling her, I start telling them about my childhood because he asked, where are you from? What you been doing? So I just said, well, you know, I went, I lived in Forestdale. I went to school at a little country school. And then I said, no, I'm gonna, I went to West Jefferson High School. And she goes, oh, I went to West Jefferson High School. And I said, oh, okay. And we started talking about people that we knew. And she was about four years ahead of me. And so I'm, I'm going back. No, she was four years behind me, so I didn't know her from Adam. And anyway, I, we get to the end of it. I, I prayed, and I said, have you accepted Jesus Christ? She said, a long time ago, I don't know if I'm saved. I said, we can fix that. So both of them get saved. I prayed for them. They get saved. I gave them a number. We tried to get them into rehab, me and another pastor friend of mine. The reason why that didn't work out so good is because two days later, I met Brad Holloman, which he's going to come next month. He's a minister at Life of Faith North. But I met him like two or three days later because Full Moon's like my favorite restaurant. Anyway, so we went to Full Moon and I'm meeting with him. I have this, this meeting and all of a sudden I have uh, Jan Tuggle. You remember Jan Tuggle? I played football with Brad Tuggle and everything. We get done. I go into the bathroom. I'm washing my hands. I'm about to go to work. All of a sudden, Jan Tuggle, this is like two days later, Jan Tuggle and her husband are standing right outside the bathroom. And they were waiting on me. And they go, you remember this girl that you prayed for and got saved the other day? And I went, huh? What are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, you, you know her name. And, and she, and it's leaving me. God help me with my memory. But I was telling, I, I said, yeah, yes, I remember her. Because I had no idea. I mean, they hit me like cold, right? And they said, she died two days ago of a drug overdose. And she was left in front of a, in front of a, a fire station. Now, I went and bought them a, a hotel room, so she died that night. And they said, would you go this afternoon to her funeral because the family knows about you and wants to talk to you? And I said, oh, okay. So I call my... I'm in the middle of work, right? So I call my boss and I go, hey, I, I need to take off the rest of the day. And I tell her like a mini story in my, about this. And my, my boss goes, okay, sounds good. And she asked me later about it. So I drove to West Jefferson. I go down there and I go walking up and all these people come to me. 
You know, I led about six people to the Lord that day. I saw God moving away. I haven't seen since, by the way. You know, I, 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 the more I believe, the more I receive. Can I have y'all say that? The more I believe, the more I, believe. The more I receive. And I'm believing more and more and more is coming. But do you know that the one thing that I did where I just, I paid for a meal and I got, I, I prayed for her. Do you know that I would have imagined that this girl would have just like died and wouldn't have called anybody. But she got on the, I gave, I gave them a, a hotel room. I went and bought it for them that night. She went and got on the phone right then and called her grandmother. And she told him my name and everything. Do you know that although those six people got saved, do you know that the, the number one person that got changed out of that was me? Because I saw God do something that was amazing and I'd never seen it or had it happen to me before. I want you to walk away today and go, I'm believing and I'm receiving. I see God in everything. I'm not, I'm not cast down or, or trodden over, but that I'm a victor and that God has great things for me. If you change your mind, you'll change how you see things. If you will change your mind about who God is, if you'll change your mind about what God wants for you, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to see God in everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. You know, with every head bowed and eyes closed, do you know that God wants you to take, this, to take this one message that, that is right here and he wants to change your Christmas. In fact, all the people that may watch this online, God wants you to understand that he sent love, Jesus Christ himself, the word of God, to not only be a peace treaty unto men, not only did he send him in flesh form, but that He wants you to be happy and prosperous in everything that you have in your life. If you have depression, if you have, if you have anxiety, if you have sickness in your body, then happy is them that believes in the Lord. Because you're going to see God do some amazing things if you just believe and receive and I'm believing this year and this year from this point on that we're going to have the greatest Christmas that we've ever had I've been saying this next year is going to be better than this year but let's talk about this year since it's happening right now do you know that your Christmas is going to be the best that you will receive if you believe you will receive. So Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person here, Father.
I pray in Jesus' name that whatever they need to receive today, that you are just opening their hearts up and that, Father, you are showing them where they need to go next, that you're making them pliable, that they're delighting themselves in the Lord and that you're going to bring to pass the things that are in their heart, that they're seeing you move. They're seeing things happen in ways that they've never seen it before. And I just pray in Jesus' name that they are going to be the difference that they're going to be the gap filler in their families, that they're going to be the gap filler in their friendships. I pray in Jesus' name that they believe and they receive, that they go out and that they reconcile people, that they bring them back to a place if there's a a hurt or if there's a a place of, of contention. But if there's a place where they just need to say, Jesus loves you. And he has the best in mind for you. Then Father, I just pray that you're opening up those opportunities, that they have more opportunities to be reconcilers. That they feel those gaps, Father. And that they see God move. The Holy Spirit comfort and that Jesus' word comes to pass in their life. Father, I just pray over them as they go this week. I pray that, that each and every one of them just has a blessed week. I thank you, dear Lord, in their health. I command right now in Jesus' name, Satan, you take your hands off of the people in this congregation that are listening to this message. I thank you that they are going to be completely healed by his stripes we were healed so if we were healed then we are health in Jesus name and all those that believe say amen amen if you need prayer individually for anything I'll be down here at the front but if not I want y'all to have a great week you are dismissed